All right, if you have a Bible with you, I want you to invite, to invite you to find Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen behind me as well. Uh, otherwise, maybe you are like me, where often now I use my phone, and I know some of you are like, oh, that's sacrilegious, but I have some apps where I'm able to like keep notes in there as well and cross-reference things, and I, I love that side of it. So you could download the Bible app on your phone. You could, you could pull it out that way. However you want to, we are going to jump into the Bible, but we're going to do that uh, about halfway through this morning, all right? Today, like I said, is kind of a unique Sunday. We are going to celebrate a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, just some great things that are going on, but also what that means for us and how that's impacting us, okay? So I'm excited. This is our, we're, we're calling them, I finally decided on a name. It's not a good name, but it's a name, all right? And we're just calling these Together Sundays, all right? Where we just put it on the calendar and we say, everybody, let's show up. Let's hang out together. You know, Easter is one of those types of Sundays where everyone just kind of shows up because it's Easter, uh, and we love seeing everybody. So today is a Together Sunday. Last week, uh, I had the chance to be on some vacation throughout the whole week, and then we decided as much as we love our church, if I walk through the doors here, I struggle to not start doing things. <laughs> That's just my personality. So we actually went and hung out with our church family over at First Baptist here in Long Prairie. That was amazing just to see Pastor Matt. Kind of caught him off guard a little bit. He like looked out and saw me as he had the mic, and I'm like, oh no, I should have told him I was coming. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, I didn't expect to see another pastor here today. And, but it was just, it was so much fun to spend time with another church in town. We loved that. Our family loved it. Uh, but today, we, we are purposely putting this Sunday on our calendar, trying to get as many of our people who call our church their church home, making it a priority to be here. All right, and it's special because we get to talk about what's been going on in Long Prairie. Emily and I have had the honor of being here uh, and pastoring this church for, for just over four and a half years now, uh, which is crazy to think. It does not seem that long, all right? But then again, COVID happened shortly after getting here and messed with any sense of time I had, okay? And today we are going to talk about uh, what's been going on the past few years. We're going to celebrate and we're going to look to the future. What do we feel like God is moving us towards, all right? And what is the vision that, that he has for us that we desperately want to follow? And, and so this is, this is just one of the most exciting times we can have, all right? And uh, what we need in order to do this, we need to have a heart for God, and we need to have a heart for his people, all right? And I don't mean that as like people that are in the church or even Christians, just people, his people, people made in his image, all right? And, and we need to have a willingness and openness to try new things. And, and we had no clue what we were doing here, all right? When we first came four and a half years ago, now I'll let you in on a secret, I still have no clue what I'm doing here. I've just gotten a lot better at faking it, okay? And so, but we, we have loved our time. Uh, we started to dream about what God could do in Long Prairie and in this area and in this church. And the very first sermon series that I wrote and spoke was called The Main Thing. And some of you guys who were here back at kind of the, uh, our first start, you might even remember, it's the main thing. And, and the idea was simple. I made a promise that, that at this church, we are always going to try our best to keep the main thing the main thing. You've been places before where you're like, I thought this is what it was supposed to be about. Why have we kind of drifted and gone to different things? Like that's happened. Every organization, every person in your life, in my life, the natural human tendency is to drift. Okay, and we said we are going to do our best to keep the main thing the main thing. We aren't going to get distracted by a bunch of side tangents. We are going to be laser focused on the main thing. And the main thing was Jesus. It was helping people find and experience Jesus in a life-changing way. A way that, that would hopefully build a desire to continue to pursue him. Not just to be a, a momentary thing where, oh, this is amazing. And then walking away. Something that would be life long, and, and, and that we would constantly be growing closer to him and more like him. And, and in order to do that, it takes intentionality and it takes focus. And those are not always things that I'm great at. And so we have had people that just help us stay focused in this. All right, and so some changes were made at the beginning, new ideas implemented, and lots of time spent in prayer. And after six months, of coming here, we were starting to see new faces walk through the doors. It was great. And then COVID. 
And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and so for about a year or a year and a half after that, we were just trying to regain momentum and trying to figure this out. And, okay, how do, uh, you know, the world has changed. How do, how do we... How do we still relate to people? How do we do this? And, but over the last three years, it's been amazing to see how God has been working. One of the things that I did early on when we came here is I went back through old records that the church had. Uh, financial records, board meeting minutes, uh, attendance records. And, and I took a, a bunch of those and I actually like copied them down, digitized them. And I'm like, these are going to be important. And I want to show you a, a picture graphing the average yearly attendance, all right? This is the history of our church, okay? This graph that's going to be behind me, all right? And this, um, this, this isn't meant to be disparaging in any way. This is what the state of the church in America really looks like, all right? This, this, is, this isn't unique to our church. It is the picture of how the church is struggling to figure out how to relate and engage with our ever-increasingly post-Christian world around us. But here's the thing. God isn't at a loss of how to engage this world. You guys know that, right? God's not at a loss. He knows exactly what needs to happen. And uh, he never has been. And, and when we spend time in prayer, and when we're open to change and new ways, when we don't get stuck in our ways, we get out of God's way, and we let him change people's hearts, it makes a difference, all right? And now here's the chart of our church. Here's a second graph. It, 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 when I first saw that, when I like went into Excel and did the, the dorky, like, okay, let's graph these things and scatter plot this, and, blah, 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 and I was like, wow, like sometimes a good line graph just slaps you across the face. <laughs> I don't know what it is. All right, some of you are like, I've never had that experience. It's okay. The rest of us nerds who love Microsoft Excel, we have. All right, yes. <laughs> and, and so here's the thing, like this. This has been amazing. Trust me, this is not about a couple new ideas or a different leader. This is so much more than that. This is about a church that had a heart for God and his people and were willing to change their approach without changing that heart. I cannot stress that point enough. You have heard me say at different times how lucky I have felt to be, be leading this church because we have felt nothing but support and encouragement. And let me tell you, we've made some massive changes. And some of them I look back on and I don't know, maybe they were pretty stupid, but people just supported it. They were willing, they were open. They're like, let's try it. Let's go a new direction. When big changes happen and people had an opportunity to get upset or to vocalize that, they didn't. They didn't do that. Maybe they didn't even like the change, but they didn't vocalize it. They kept it to themselves. They were willing to take a step of faith into an uncomfortable area, willing to try something new, willing to set aside their personal desires to see something greater happen. Okay, understand, leaders do not grow a church. Leaders do not grow a church. That is not how it happens. God grows a church and he does it through willing people. All right, because if we just said God grows a church, we'd be sitting there and we'd be saying, well, why is God choosing to grow that church and not that one and that one and not that one? God's heart is for every church to be reaching people. God's heart is for every person to be growing closer to him. The problem is God has chosen from the beginning, and trust me, I, you know, famous last words, if I were God, <laughs> I would not have partnered with humanity we are terrible. We are so bad at doing what we are supposed to do. But God has chosen from the beginning to partner with us. And so God grows a church, absolutely. It is not grown by people. But he does it through willing people. And this church has been willing. And because of that, we have seen growth. Listen, we, we have 77 parking spots in our lot. And thanks to Tom, Chuck, and Jake, we actually can see those 77 spots now. All right, maybe you noticed that a few weeks ago. They came in and painted the lines. If you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. It was a nightmare, okay? And everyone just, it was the Wild West in our parking lot. You parked wherever you wanted. Tumbleweeds were rolling through. And you were like, all right, I think someone's going to have a duel as soon as I get out of my car. We got lines now. All right? We have been over capacity in our parking lot for the last like five months. I can count on like one hand how many times we've had less cars than we have had parking spots. We have a massive amount of our volunteers who are trying to park in the high school. 
and walk over here because we don't have room. And that is a great problem to have. But if you don't do something about it, a great problem just turns into a real problem. All right? And, and, and that is something we have to focus on. Here's where this leaves us. We, we have adopted some new methods of how we do church over the last four years. And some of those methods have been great. They have helped us reach where we are today. But there are two big pieces to a church's structure, okay? All right, I want you to kind of track with this. There, there is the mission of what your, what your purpose is, what you are doing. And then there is the method. All right, and the method is how you are trying to accomplish that mission. The mission is the main thing. It's people finding Jesus, growing closer to Jesus, and then the method. And we have reached a spot as a church where we have to make a choice. We have to choose between our mission or our method. And what I mean by that is we cannot continue to do church the way we've been doing it because we can no longer help new people find Jesus. Quite frankly, we don't have the room. It's said that when you hit 80% capacity, that you stop growing. Now, that sounds a little weird, like there's still 20%. Yes, but think about this here. Even look around today, okay? That 20% is made up of the front row, which apparently is like a cardinal sin to sit in or something. <laughs> All right? It's the front row, and it's the buffer seat that humans love to have between you and the family next to you. Everyone look to your left and your right. How many of you guys have a buffer seat right now? We love our buffer seats. All right, I'm not even trying to make that be a bad thing. We love our buffer seats. But here, here's who that impacts the most. The parking lot and what's going on in here. When you're new, let me tell you, if you have not walked through the doors of the church for the first time in a while, go do it. Emily and I, last week, we're walking into the Baptist church. I love the Baptist church. I am friends with Pastor Matt. That church is amazing. And we look at each other and we both say, I'm nervous. You're walking through doors. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what's in there. Some of you, it's your first time here today. And you, you're like, oh, I understand what you're saying. You're preaching to the choir. You walk through the doors. You don't, maybe you don't know where the bathroom is. You don't know what's expected. What's it going to be like? What's the service going to be like? Uh, what's going to happen? And all these different things. It's intimidating. And so most of the time, new people, they walk through the doors maybe about five minutes before, maybe right at the time your service starts, maybe five minutes after service starts, and that's intentional. But if they're the last ones walking through the door, who is dealing with our parking lot issue and who is dealing with the fact that we don't have great seats? Your brand new people, their first experience, they're already nervous walking through the doors and now they can't find a parking spot. Most of us, were like, eh, whatever, I'm going to park on the grass, no one cares, okay? Because maybe you've been here a while, you, and you know where you could park on the grass. What if it's your first time here? Are you going to pull into the grass? But you're like, I don't know, maybe they're going to yell at me. Like, you think through these things, like 80% capacity is your capacity. There's always going to be empty chairs. But an empty chair doesn't mean that it's a welcoming space for someone new. When new people come, they, they, they aren't wanting to walk down to the front row. So this means that things need to change. Otherwise, we cannot continue to pursue our mission. And we can't be a church that is off mission. That is the first step to becoming a dying church, is a church off mission. So we have to make a decision. Are we married to our method or are we married to our mission? Because we can only be married to one. One of those has to stay, one of those has to change. What that practically means is this. Our method has been a single Sunday morning service, and I've loved that. We're all together, we get to see everyone, we get to sing with everyone, we serve at one service, but we can't reach more people with one service. So if we want to stay on mission, we have to go to two. We have to, there's no choice. And so we've been praying about this for a while. The question has not been, are we going to do this? It's when are we going to do it? All right, and that, that's a big thing that we've been praying through. All right, now, here's the thing. There are some initial superficial downsides to doing that. You know, you might be sitting here, and as I say that, you're like, 
man, I, I liked my 10 o'clock service. I get to sleep in a little bit on the weekend, go to church, and I'm still out of here in time to catch the Vikings game or to beat the lunch rush at Countryside. If we go to two services, my schedule is going to have to change, and I, I don't know if I like that. Right? Like, I, okay, let's be honest. Like, some of us are already even feeling that right now, and that, that's okay to feel that. Or maybe I like seeing everyone at the same time. I felt like even though we were growing and getting bigger, I still sort of knew everyone. If we go to two services, there'll be people I don't see. There'll be people I don't know. Or it's going to feel like I'm losing half my community. Why do we talk so heavy about this is not where we can be searching simply for our community? We have life groups. We have serve teams. We have other places. If your community is made up of Sunday morning, you're already starting behind the ball. And you're going to feel that even more. Or maybe I like just having this short window on Sunday morning where I went to church and I served and it was all done in an hour and a half, all right? I am 100% positive that these exact ideas are in some of our minds right now in the room. But you have to ask that question, are we married to the method or are we married to the mission? And I know that our church has an easy answer to that question. It's the mission. It's always the mission. It always will be the mission. Because we weren't here for our own preferences. All right, like I, I hope we all enjoy church, but it isn't about us and our wants and our desires. So what does this mean? Okay, we have to go to two services. I don't really see how that changes the method that much. All right, well, let's look at Ephesians 4 real quick. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church. He's talking about unity in the body of Christ. He's talking about how do you come together and make this whole messy church thing work. Okay, so we're in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. All right, real quickly, before I continue, this verse here, I don't want us to get bogged down on it. In Western Christianity, we love to take Paul's letters or any of the letters and let's turn it into a bullet list. Bullet lists are great. We can just go through it. We can check them off. We can make it be this exhaustive thing. This is everything Paul meant. And yet every time he makes a list, he usually makes a similar list somewhere else. And guess what? They're not the same. Almost every time, there's like differences here and there. So what we need to understand, Paul's not always meaning to make an exhaustive list of every little thing. Okay, I believe that these absolutely are parts of our church. But let's not get bogged down on that. What, what is happening in this moment is Paul's saying, listen, the church is diverse, okay? And so that, that's what we need to just kind of keep in our mind here. I'm going to keep reading. We'll talk about that, though. Their responsibility, that's what matters here. This group of people, you have this diverse group of people, they have a responsibility. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church." He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. I love this line. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. All right, quick, quick summary of what's being said here. There is diversity in the church in our giftings. All right, he's saying there are some people that will be in more of a leadership role, a teaching role, things like that. Their job is to organize, equip, and train others to make sure that things keep moving forward and to engage with the community as a whole. And as you work, as each one of us works, as each one of us steps into these roles, you are helping others and yourself grow in maturity. So understand this. Paul is talking about a community, that community being unified, that community working together and engaging with each other. And through this process, that community grows more mature. So this, the, these phrases of like spiritual maturity, maybe you've heard that before, okay? To grow in spiritual maturity is to grow closer to God. I think most of us would be like, yep, I, I agree with that statement. I've heard that statement before. That makes sense in my mind, okay? Equally though, 
equally to grow in spiritual maturity is to grow closer to the body of Christ. We miss this part. Some of us, we think, I can, I can actually get really mature, and if I don't get bogged down by the people around me, I can go and, and I can go sit in, in my, you know, okay, I'm sorry, this is going to be like pick on one group that always gets picked on, and I'm sorry, I'm part of this group too. I can go sit in the deer stand, and I can grow closer to God. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, I, I came up with one of the absolute best analogies I feel like I've, I've ever had of understanding the Bible while I was sitting in a deer stand watching the sun come up in the woods. I 100%, I'm growing closer to God in doing that, but I am not growing closer to the body of Christ. And what we see is that that is part of this. Uh, it, it is engaging more, it's being part of it. You cannot grow in spiritual maturity while being isolated or staying on the fringe of a community. You can't. If you think you can, I'm going to challenge you to go read from the book of Acts to the end of the New Testament and come back and make a scriptural argument that you can grow in spiritual maturity by yourself. Because every single one of the New Testament authors would absolutely just be like, are you kidding me? No. Every one of these letters, it's talking constantly about community. We cannot stay on mission without a community that is engaged. Probably the biggest method shift that we need to do to stay on mission isn't going from one service to two services. It is how each one of us engages with this community. And that's a lot harder. Like most places and organizations, I think we kind of fall victim to the 80-20 idea. You've heard this before. 80% of the work done by 20% of the people. That's the generous one. I've also heard it as 90-10. All right? Like that, that's just, that's how things usually work. And maybe, maybe that's not exactly where we are, but you get the idea. You have a small amount doing the most work. And if you made a picture of what it looked like, it would look like this. All right? It would look like this triangle that's going to be behind it. It's actually not even a triangle. I took two triangles and put them together. All right? This is what it would look like. And understand, you will always have some people doing more work than others. That will always be the case. It's natural. It's the way that it is. I would almost say like that's what's healthy. That's what's, what's going to happen. Okay? And I think engaged is better than using the word work. You have a small amount of people that are super engaged and a large amount that are just slightly engaged. But when we want to move it towards a healthier approach, I think it would look more like this triangle instead. And you even saw the tip of that kind of came down. You don't have, you know, just a couple people doing a ton of the work. It's a full community being engaged. Still at different levels. That's natural. But this is a healthier approach. This is people equipping others to be engaged. Equipping the church to do the work of the ministry is the way that Paul phrased it. And as we do this, as we step in and become more engaged, we grow closer to God we also grow closer to our community, and through both of those, we grow in spiritual maturity. I want to show something we talked about a couple years ago. Uh, a pastor by the name of Rick Warren had once talked about this. I've kind of taken that and tweaked it a little bit um, just in the definitions. But uh, he says you can take a, any, any organization, anything like that, any group, and you can break it down into five categories, okay? Um, and, and so I'm going to have this, these circles behind me here. And I'm going to talk through these really quickly. The outermost is called the community. This is anybody who could possibly be part, if we're talking about our church, anyone who could possibly be part of our church. So this would not include someone who lives in Texas. They cannot be part of our church, okay? Like, unless you are just like, you have your own private plane. And so I don't even know where you're going to fly into. Like, you just, this is people that feasibly can be part of our church, it does include anyone who lives close enough to actually be part of this. It's a big group. Long Prairie School District is just under 10,000 people. And we have quite a few people in our church that you are not part of Long Prairie School District. Okay, if you start adding Browerville, Swanville, Uppsala, Osakis, like this is a lot of people. The community is huge. It's a big number. Next you have the crowd. This is the group of people that for me, like this is, they're pretty loosely associated with our church. Maybe they come on special days like Christmas or Easter or Mother's Day or even, you know, uh, I come kind of once every other month. They pop in. 
They don't go to another church. And maybe they don't come here really that much either. Maybe they don't come here at all. But in their mind, if they were to think, hey, this Sunday I'm going to go to church, they know that this is the church they'd come to. Okay, that's the crowd. Whether it's because they already kind of come or they've just, they've heard about the church. Someone's invited them in the past. And they're like, if I were to go to church, that's the church I'd go to. That is the crowd. Then it's the congregation. This is people who, this is their church. And this, this community matters to them. They try to make it as often as they can. They, they might be here once, twice, maybe even three times a month. And they might have tried out a life group here and there. Maybe they serve here and there. Then you have the committed. And this group is, well, committed. <laughs> this is their community. And it more than matters. It's a priority to them. They really try their hardest not to miss gatherings. Maybe there's a big vacation or something urgent that comes up. But besides that, they, they, they are here. They're engaged. They're really, they're looking for a life group most semesters. Maybe they've even led a life group. They're probably serving regularly. They are financially invested in some type of way at the church. They are pursuing Jesus on their own outside of church. Church does not define their relationship with God. It enhances their relationship with God. Okay, this is the committed. Then, lastly, you have the core. This is the group where they are completely sold out to Jesus and they are completely sold out to this community. They are leading in various ways. They are the first ones to jump at new opportunities. They financially, they're part of moving the ministry forward in this church, like the general fund. They're part of kingdom builders financially moving that forward. They have to all but be in a coma to get pulled away from this community on a weekend. Whatever's going on, you know they're going to be part of it somehow. They are invested in seeing others follow Jesus to the best of their ability. They are grabbing people by the hand and drawing them closer to God. And all of these groups together make up our church. And a healthy church has all of these groups. You actually don't want everyone to be part of the core. And if you've ever attended maybe a smaller church that it, you know, maybe isn't in the process of growing, it's probably filled with core and committed people. And you can tell because you walk in and it feels awkward. Everybody knows you're a visitor. Because they know everybody. The whole church is core and committed. If you are a church that is reaching your community, you are, you are grabbing people, you're, you're pulling people in, people are excited about what's happening, then you're going to have people in every single one of these categories. Now don't take that as the wrong way. That when we say we need people in every category, that that's an excuse for us to be disengaged. What it means is you are constantly, we, we are reaching new people. Now here's the other thing. You shouldn't be staying in the same ring for the rest of your life. We are meant to grow. To grow closer to God. To grow closer to our church community. So where would you put yourself? As you look at this. If you were being honest with yourself, where would you put yourself? And that's not a bad thing. Just because just you aren't in the core or something like that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. But be honest, where would you put yourself? All right, now my follow-up question, how long have you been there? Maybe you're brand new and you're like, I'm kind of the crowd and I've been here a week. <laughs> Great, <laughs> that's awesome. It's fine. Like this isn't meant to be something, again, disparaging towards us. Now understand, at our church, we, we have a really big crowd. Like that ring. And I think it's due to our church being pretty involved in the community. I think it's due to Pastor Aaron and myself making it a priority to be involved in the community in various ways. I think we have people in our church that are excited about what's happening and they're talking to people. Our crowd is big. And I know that because when we hit Christmas and we hit Easter... It's ridiculous, okay? The swell, every church swells on Christmas and Easter because everybody shows up at the same time. Okay, realize that like 
Last Easter, we almost doubled. We didn't have room to almost double. It was an issue. It was a big issue. We were running, I don't know, 150 people, and we had over 250 people here for Easter. I still don't really know how we packed everyone in. We don't have that many chairs. Our crowd is big, and that's a great thing. But a healthy church continues to move people in. And so if our crowd is big, that means that there's a big part of us that we need to start moving crowd into congregation. But here's the problem. We can't do that right now. We need people in the congregation to move to the committed. We can't swell in the congregation. We need more people to be involved, to be serving, to be part of stuff, so that we actually have the infrastructure and we are ready for more people to move in. And so Pastor Aaron and I, we've been talking about this. This is, this is a focus for us this year. Now this, this sounds really like strategic and all these different things. Just realize like, we just have to be aware of these things. This is not trying to manufacture anything. This is not saying it's on us and it's not on God. Okay, this is just, we just have to be thinking through these. And so we first, we need to move people from congregation into committed so that we can move co- crowd into congregation. That's, that's where we are. This is where a ton of our shift needs to happen. Our future involves moving people. We have grown by over 100 people just the last couple of years. Many of our ministries, though, are still primarily running on the same volunteers that we had four years ago. We need more people to take a step in, to get involved in various ways. Because if we're going to see the crowd move into the congregation, we need space. We need people serving. We need infrastructure. We need to be able to accommodate that growth. It's all fun on Easter when that many people walk through the doors. But can you imagine that every week? And this, I mean, this is not unique. The early church, Peter gets up and preaches at Pentecost. 3,000 are added to their numbers, it says. Can you imagine that? Okay, we got about 12 of us hanging out in this upper room. Next week, okay, we got about 3,012 of us. We have outgrown the upper room. It's always an issue. If you're on mission, if you're pursuing Jesus, this will always be an issue. And it's a good issue. We are having to go to two services to make this happen. But two services means we we need twice as many volunteers as what we presently have. It means we need some of our volunteers who are serving once a month to say, I'm willing to serve more often. We need some people to say, hey, I'm going to attend one of the services on a Sunday and I'm going to have the other one be a service that I serve in. Okay, we don't want people constantly serving and burning themselves out. You cannot pour out what you don't have in you. When we serve, we are pouring out what God is pouring into us. And you can't just keep doing that nonstop without slowing down and letting God pour into you. So listen, this is going to sound crazy, but trust me, follow me here. If you are part of the core or part of the committed, if that's where you think you are, here's a mindset that you have. Sunday morning is church. You don't ever plan anything else. Sunday up until about 1 p.m., maybe 2 p.m., whatever it is. You're like, church, maybe I'm going and grabbing lunch with someone from church. That's what Sunday is. There's nothing else that's ever planned in that space. If that is the case, then saying, hey, you know what? I, I can choose one service to attend on Sunday morning, and then I will serve in the other service. Let me, you know, let, let me let you in on a secret. You could even serve every week. <laughs> Who would have thought? You have a service that you're attending. You're coming and saying, God, I, I, I need you. I need to be able to focus. Because right now, some of our volunteers, you feel this. You've had a rough week, and you're like, great. I'm in the nursery. <laughs> Nothing like having a rough week and a rougher weekend with toddlers hitting me in the knees with baseball bats. And then going back to my rough week. Okay, that doesn't happen. Not at all. And my wife is mad at me because she's like, I'm trying to find volunteers. You're making this harder. We don't have any baseball bats in there. And we only have two golf clubs. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I think we've often had mindsets, though, where we're like, oh, I couldn't do that ministry. That's, That's too much work. That's too hard. 
I don't know. I think we are really good at coming up with excuses. I'm just going to be honest. We need some people to go as far as saying, hey, I'm going to attend one service and I'm going to serve in the other one. And guess what? If you're worried about not seeing half your community, problem solved. You can see everybody. It, it isn't crazy to honestly say that that could be what you do. It's definitely not crazy to say, I'm going to serve twice a month. And some of our places, they aren't a huge commitment. Like, understand, you could, you could feasibly be a greeter and an usher and on the prayer team all in the same service. Like, let's be honest. Okay, I'm going to greet people at the door. I'm going to come in and I'm going to help, you know, with the offering. I'm going to go and pray with people at the end. You could do multiple ministries in one, not all of them, but some of them you could. And those particular ones, they don't even pull you out of the service. We understand that kids' church and nursery, they, they are difficult only because they pull you out of the service. But if you have two services, like, think about this. This year, my wife was in Christmas Eve for the first time since we came to this church. Because every Christmas Eve, she said, hey, I'll serve in the nursery. I know no one wants to. I'll serve in the nursery. And this was the first year she was in a Christmas Eve service at our church. Now, with two services, you can serve in one, you can go to one. Like, there's so many things that this actually can make things a lot easier for us. Somewhere along the road, we made this idea of serving as such a big burden. And I'm not sure why we did that. We are the, the only church that I know of, and I'm not trying to, this is, hear my heart on this. This is not like a, 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 a bragging or a badge of honor, but it's just, it is a real felt need. We're the only church that I know of that offers kids programs during the service the way we do on a weekend. Do you understand for young parents how big of a deal that is? That on a Sunday morning, from birth through sixth grade, we have specifically planned things for those kids to be growing closer to God. Not only is that helping them grow because it is age appropriate, but every parent with little kids is like, amen, because I walk into this room and I can focus on God. That is massive. And I'll tell you right now, as we go to two services, we can't keep doing that without a pretty massive influx into our kids' church and into our nursery. And maybe you're like, I've put in my time. We all have put in our time. That's not an excuse. There's no retirement from ministry. And for the downsides of two services, you know, things like, oh, I like my 10 o'clock. Yeah, I like 10 o'clock too. You realize our worship team comes two hours prior to service to be preparing and getting ready. That's going to be 7 a.m. We're going to be moving to 9 and 10.45. 7 a.m., they're going to be here. I usually come three hours before service. So I need an hour to prepare to deal with my worship team. <laughs> they're laughing the loudest right now, okay? Understand this. No. No, it's just like, there are different, there's different levels of people being involved. That's fine, but like, this 10 o'clock thing, like it just is such a self-centered thing at times. I get it. I'm feeling it too. I really am feeling it. But are we married to the mission or the method? And right now, the funny thing is on Sunday, I'm usually here till about 1230. Hanging out, talking to people, shooting the breeze. I don't know if that's actually going to change that much. I'm just going to leave closer to the end of service. Instead of hanging out for over an hour afterwards... I'll be like, all right, hey, 30 minutes was enough to be able to see everybody in this. It gives you twice the opportunity to get to connect with people, and you're connecting with half as many people. There, there are so many pieces. Every, I, I love Craig Rochelle, he always says this. He says, you can look at a problem as a problem, or you can look at a problem as an opportunity. And so, yeah, there's problems that are going to come up in this. But every single one of those problems is an opportunity if you look at it that way. It's a problem. I'm not going to see everybody. It's an opportunity. You have twice as much time to connect with the same amount of people. 
have a friend who he's a pastor, he's an introvert, and he's like, I love it. Trying to connect with everybody after one service, it's a nightmare for him. He's like, we go down to two. He's like, I, I have twice as much time after each service to connect with people, and I'm connected with half as many. Every problem can be an opportunity. The in-between services is still going to have a ton of overlap. You're going to get to talk to people. You're going to get to see them. You aren't supposed to be talking right now anyways. What does it matter if you're in the service with them? You're probably just going to get jabbed by your wife less in the side because you're always talking during service. And all of this, as we say this, in a way is temporary. We need people to step in and step up. But as we continue to grow, that's, as we continue to grow, there's going to be new people wanting to get engaged, wanting to serve. And maybe you're like, hey, I'm serving every single week. And a ministry leader is going to come to you and say, hey, I want to say thank you for what you've been doing. I got a new person I'm pulling in. Can you do one more week and have them shadow you, teach them, show them what's going on? And then that's going to be their week now. You know, it's, it's a seasonal thing. It's not the next decade of your life. It's a seasonal thing. I think one of the biggest issues when it comes to people serving in this way is we have a ton of amazing people with amazing hearts and they'd say, listen, whenever I'm here, I'm willing to serve. I'll serve. If you need me, just ask me, throw me in. And honestly, those people are here most weeks. And this is well-intentioned, but it is not helpful. That is so stressful for those ministries to be sitting there thinking, I don't have all the volunteers I need to make today happen. I'm going to have to grab people and I hope they're walking in today. And what that means is that we have commitment issues. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but we need to be able just to commit to things in life. Our community needs to be able to count on us when they need us, not whenever it's convenient for us. So let's stop hiding behind lack of commitment and pretending like it's because this commitment is so big. It honestly isn't. And some of us, you've been sitting on the fence for a while when it comes to serving. And I think, you know, potential is great, but it means nothing until it just becomes actions. And some of us were like, yeah, I've been meaning to get involved, meaning to get involved. I know I need to. Now's the time. Now's the time. After service today, we're going to have all of our ministry leaders in the foyer at tables with sign-ups. We're not letting you get out of this too easily. All right? Here's a list of some of the ministries that you could serve in. Okay? And we're always, understand this, this isn't exhaustive. This is not, this is... I don't like when people use scripture verses to say that like God gave you a gift and this is his plan for your life. No, it isn't. God's plan for your life is not for you to be a greeter on the first and third Sunday of the month. God has much bigger plans than that. Okay, let's not like boil this down to this is what it means to be a Christian. But understand, this is what it means to make a weekend happen here. This is what it means for people to be able to walk in, hopefully remove the walls between them and God and say, God, I want, I want to have a relationship with you. We need people that are willing to help remove brick by brick that wall that's between them and God. And that's what these ministries do. And we're adding stuff. Like, and some of them you maybe didn't even know. Like we have the cafe ministry. We have more and more people. Understand, more and more food is getting eaten. We have, we have people who are baking fresh home-baked goods. And you're like, I love to bake. We have, you can sign up and say, hey, I'd love to bake this many times a month. I'll bring in a, a pan of brownies. I'll bring in a dozen cookies. I'll do whatever it is. Like, you can get involved in those ways. We're adding things like social media. Like, uh, we don't even know what that really means yet. We've been talking with someone who's going to kind of run with this, who's been snapping pictures. You probably saw the, the screen that's behind this is a bunch of pictures that have been taken uh, of us gathering together. All right, we, we have all sorts of different things that you could be part of. My challenge to everyone today is this. Add your name somewhere. You might already be serving, and it again, you know, add it again. Add, 
at it somewhere else or at it more often. Maybe you are inspired to truly dive headfirst in and you're like, I'm going to serve every week at one of the services. Maybe it's going to be the same ministry every single week. Maybe you're like, I'm going to sign up for four different ministries and try and get on four different weeks. You know, whatever that looks like. And maybe it's going to be something that you're passionate about. Sometimes we serve in areas we're passionate about. All right? Sometimes we serve in areas because we're able to. And there's a need. And we're willing to fill that need. And we're not going to be the most passionate person ever. Like, and I'm not trying to, like, maybe we have ushers that are incredibly passionate about passing that bucket and saying hi to people. And I'm not trying to minimize this. I'm just saying, there are some jobs you just aren't going to be like, I was born to do this. Been planning since I was a toddler. This is my plan in life. That's not always going to happen. Sometimes there's just a need and you fill it. There's just a need and, and we fill it. But you want to know what you can be passionate about? Lives being changed by Jesus. And every one of these is part of that. That may sound goofy to you, but it is. Every one of these is part of it. We are married to the mission at River of Life. This is about lives being changed. It's about our lives being changed. And we grow in spiritual maturity as we engage in this community. All right, and remember, remember this. God grows a church. And how does he do it? He does it through willing people. Willing people. I love it. This can be crowd participation. He does it through willing people. She's willing to participate right now. The rest of you guys. So let's be willing people. Worship team, would you guys come? We're going to close briefly here. We kind of ran through the beginning half of this because we knew I was going to be long-winded today. But we got plenty of time to just slow down. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. And maybe you've been coming for decades. Maybe it's your first time here. Doesn't matter. My challenge is to take the next few moments. Think about that circle. Where, where do you fall? Are you crowd? Congregation? Committed? Core? How long have you been there? Is God speaking to you right now that you need to take a step in? And what would it look like to do that? So I want you to be, be praying about that, thinking about that as we, as we go through a song here, as we close. And then we're going to move, and our, our ministry leaders, hey, I'll let you guys know, ministry leaders that are in the room, you probably want to duck out, you know, when I start praying at the end of, at the, end of the song here, you want to duck out, be back there, go and connect somewhere. Take a look, get involved, be part of something. It's how you get to know people. It really is. You serve with the same crew. We set you up where you serve either first, second, third, fourth week of the month. Some of you, you have sworn that you would never go back into the nursery. And God right now is tugging on your heart. You want to hear something funny? At one point, okay, maybe you won't find this funny. 15 years ago, 12 years ago, somewhere in between there, we, we were at this church. We came and interviewed. We were fresh out of college. And we said, oh, we're never going to live in Long Prairie. <laughs> and that word never. God has a sense of humor. I, I said I was never going to go to the university that I went to. The amount of times, every time I say never, it seals the deal. It's like a blood oath right there. God's like, oh, really? You think you're going to throw the word never around? Watch me. <laughs> All right, so some of you have said, I'm never serving in the nursery. I'm never serving in a kid's church. Whatever it is, God's going to be challenging you right now to be part of something. So I want to challenge, Pastor Aaron, would you come? Move us into a time of response. Yeah, I've, I've said never before, too. It's not a good thing, but I just want to 
would you guys stand with me? And I just, I just want to pray for us. And I know that, like, like I said, Pastor Josiah said this several times, like, there's, there's those of us that have been here for a while. Maybe you just walked through the doors this morning. And you're like, wow, this is aggressive. Right? Maybe you're feeling that a little bit. But hear our heart. And Josiah said this, and I keep repeating it. I don't think he's repeated it as much as I have. But we're just trying to keep up with God. And we want to follow in his footsteps. And, and one of the things that I shared with our ministry teams this morning is that an important thing in all of this is it's, we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. That, that we can't do this on our own power. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning going, well, I don't have those giftings. And Josiah's, you know, kind of called us out. Those are excuses. But if we go to God, God, give me the ability, give me the strength, give me the whatever we need to step into the roles that you are asking us to, would you please do that for me? And let me be led by you, God. So as we're reflecting on this this morning, as we're thinking about these things and God is challenging us, let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's be led by him. So I just want to pray for us this morning. Father God, I thank you for this, for this church, for the body of Christ that is here this morning. Wherever, wherever circle that they've landed in, God, I pray that right now that they are just thinking about where they are, where you're asking them to maybe move to, and that, God, that you would give us the ability, maybe it's just even the ability to take a step in. God, would you give us that strength and the mindset of not focusing on the negatives and focusing on what it might take away from us, but God, the opportunity to serve you. Because God, it's not about us and in in the church, River of Life Church, it's about you and building your kingdom so that more and more people can come to know you and have a relationship with you and have their lives transformed by you and you alone. God, would you just lead us and guide us? Be with us in the next few moments, and God, help us to just take action as we walk out the doors and we chat with ministry leaders and find a place to write our name down. God, thank you for this opportunity. Be with us in the next few moments and as we walk out the doors. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what you've done in each life represented in here.